Namo dasa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Namo dasa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Namo dasa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Udang dhammang sangkang namasami So I thought I'd talk tonight a little bit about samadhi Samadhi means something like firmness, collectedness, centeredness of mind, and uh, generally translated as concentration or right concentration. It's always a term I feel kind of nervous about saying because for most people concentration is a kind of something they do and they tighten them, tighten themselves up, tighten your head up when you concentrate. It's kind of like the way we concentrate on a problem or a puzzle. It's kind of tightening your head up. <laughs> and uh, so you don't really want people to do this, tightening their heads up, because most people, heads are tight already. <laughs> you know, and that's part of the problem, you know. So you want to really... It's, so you kind of put the word concentration to one side and talk about... Uh, great heart samadhi is um, when we talk about great heart the two qualities to it one is the sense of um, boundlessness boundlessness um, the great the sense of the great we you know there's a saying these arahants when they were living together and the buddhas went to see them and said, are you doing all right? And they said, yeah, we live together quite comfortably because whatever one thinks doing, we try to support him in that. You know, and we take it in turns to clean things up, tidy things up. And though we're separate in body, we're the same in mind. And this is the great heart or the great mind. It means you don't, you, you don't kind of separate yourself from others. Not, you know, you see, self and other are the same, the same value. It's compassion, conscience and concern, moral responsibility, sharing, you know, looking out for each other. That sense is, is the great heart. And, you know, actually this can seem to be, could seem to be quite a problem, you know, if you're always getting affected and tangled up with everyone else, you know. You know. So, so we're not talking about actually the great heart is not about uh, fusing with everyone. Uh, it, so it requires this other sense, samadhi, to hold a sense of an inner firmness. So, although we can look out for, share, have con- conscience and concern for others, we're not getting rocked around by the suffering or the stress or the you know of other people. You know, otherwise, we're actually not doing anybody any good. So that sense in which you can widen your boundary to include other people also means you have to have enough inner firmness and mooring to not get rocked around by what, what, what's happening for other people. Because there's a lot of people here, out here. The wider you get, the more stuff's happening and the more agitating and confused it can get. So the one aspect of the great heart is a sense of widening the boundary to include others 
any others, you know, um, with sense of conscience and concern and respect. The other aspect of the great heart is having this tremendous firmness to, to uh, of samadhi, you know, give you the groundedness of it, so that you can actually do that. You know, you, you know, you, so that's why, in fact, people do get kind of narrow is because they just can't take on anything. You know, when you're deeply stressed, <coughs> agitated, you can't get very. If you haven't got ground yourself, then you tend to get tight. You know what I mean? You know, holding on to something to give you firmness, you can't really take it on anybody else. But the mind that's got firmness in it can widen and widen and widen and be with and accept and bear with and reflect upon and give healing to the world. And samadhi is then not just some kind of, you know, hide away little, concentrate and leave me alone state of mind. It's actually a requirement for compassionate living, for moral living for respecting others, for respecting oneself. No, it sounds, um, you know, we use a word like concentration or samadhi, it sounds a very kind of uh, profound thing. It begins perhaps with the ability to, we have to, to wait. You know, saying to... Some people the other day just they asked me just quickly, could you tell me how to meditate? I said, well, okay, well, just sit there still, find yourself balanced, come into your body and breathe out. Yeah. And then wait. See how long it takes before the in-breath starts happening by itself. Yeah. So then, okay, do it again. Really, as you breathe out, really relax your chest. Empty everything, going right down into your belly. Breathe out through your nose, slowly, steadily, as if you're just gently pouring everything out from inside you. It's a lovely feeling to it. Soft, yielding, letting go feeling. You do that. You know, and then just get you get to the bottom of it. Just wait, and just keep relaxing, waiting. As if you don't know there's going to be an in breath, and then the in breath starts. As it comes in, just don't be in a hurry. Don't snatch it. Don't grab it. Just let you let your your own system, your 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 own body, gradually pull that in through your nose, from the abdomen, this gentle swelling, pulling the air in through your nose, and let it take its own time to fill, and when it fills up, wait, till it's time to breathe out. Can you do that? (laughs) You know? It's quite simple, really. But of course, as we, we do that, then the, the what happens when you do that is all this uh, nervous energy starts kind of shaking loose. 
It's like you've actually um, no longer colluded with habit, which is to push mental habit, to be led by the mind. You're being led instead by the body. By, you know, so rather than being led by the thought process or the energies of the thought process or the emotional state or the energies of the emotional state, you're just being led by the body. And that's a tremendous, uh, it's a very simple thing. It's a kind of renunciation, there's a real letting go of control, of time, of, of purpose, of getting things done, of achievement, of all that kind of stuff that, uh, that seems to be the fabric of our lives. And this time you're not actually having a, a judgment of it, you just say, just notice that you can operate in a different way. There's this, it's being me, doing my stuff, caught up with this, worried about that, needing to get that on, thinking about this, remembering that, so so so, all that. Don't worry, it's not going to go away. <laughs> you can let, you can put it to one side for for half an hour. You can get back to it. <laughs> and just so, just go to this other thing, which is learning to just breathe out. See what happens, you know. And so you, you do that, and you you begin to recognise there's another kind of level of energy there, which is actually which is nourishing. You know, if you if you do that for half an hour, you feel fresh. You've made no philosophical commitment to any of any kind. You've made no judgment of any kind of your life. In fact, all those things, any kind of mental statements or activities around that are just going to get in the way of the process. Any sense of, you know, judgment or analysis or just, it just adds more. So you just simply, very simply, you can breathe, you can wait. And feel what that feels like. Mm-hmm. Notice what comes, comes spinning off, you know, the whole waves of nervous energy, emotional agitation, thinking about this, that and the other, and breathing out. Mm-hmm. And we notice the, the this possibility that there is to, to separate from those their mental behaviour. And separation with no aversion, no distaste, but just the energetic separation. It's not a philosophical separation, an emotional separation or anything, it's an energetic separation. It means your energy can shift to another gear. Hmm? And that's the that's the essence of samadhi because that uh, that gearing, that other gearing is is quite is firm. It's not hard, it's not brittle. It's firm, it's soft, it's firm, and it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not a mental habit. It's not a mental action. So in fact you don't even have to keep it going through some act of the will. You don't have to calm down or steady your mind or anything like that. You just go to this other place and let that energy 
express itself, be there, and uh, be innocent, be open, be interested in what happens. And then from this, we start to find you've got, you've begun to establish uh, the foundation for the great heart, the great mind. It's it's got a root, it's got a anchor. And then, of course, what becomes uh, necessary as we meditate, as we've done this kind of energetic shifting, is all this other stuff that comes spinning, spinning out has to be met, doesn't it? You know, uh, the kind of agitation, the concerns, the urgencies, the doubts, the pains, the joys, the interest, excitement, all this kind of very moving stuff. And what's going to, how do you meet that? Do you going to try and swat it? You know, like with a swap, 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 stop this, stop that. You know, you do that, you lose, you lose your connection to the to this to samadhi, to the ground. You 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 lose that steady energy because you get agitated. No, there's one thing that that can keep you in that steady state and yet relating to the mental agitation, and it's it's the quality of a great heart, which is a <laughs> loving, steady peaceful embracing is gathering it all back it's like the stuff is spinning out and you just keep gathering it then come back you know just bring it back like a whole load of chickens are running out from you know little chicks are running out and you just gather it back gather it back and you gather it back in such a way that you're quite happy gathering it back because the gesture you're making is not Oh, shut up, hurry up and sit down. But, but a quality of expressing compassion and concern for, the, for your own mind, for your own heart, for your feelings, for your thoughts, for your life, you know, for your concerns. You just, you know. So it's really, then, it's, then it doesn't really matter whether it stops or not. You're not asking it to stop. You just want to be able to extend the sense of of heart to many of these pieces in us which are quite lost you know many of these pieces many of these voices in us that are quite lost orphans you know needs desperate places stuck stuff Sharp stuff, you know, petty stuff, stuff that you don't really want to hear, stuff that you you don't want to be with. (laughs) Grinding, gnawing stuff. (laughs) Uh, So this, you know, which is of course... When we come to this, we say, I can't meditate. The reason stuff that we can't meditate with is actually a coach. It's a trainer. It's not something you can't meditate with. It just means 
you you got to you got to change your way your way of behaving. You know, you got to extend heart. So it's always good to remember the things that stop me meditating aren't stopping me meditating. They're asking me to develop. You know, they're asking me to come out. They're asking me to to extend my boundaries. You know, doesn't mean you're going to do it all today. But they're saying, you know, this stuff. You're not. You, the only way to find peace with this stuff is by developing great heart, being firm, being cool, but extending and gathering it all in. The voices, the things that seem be, you know, muttering about you. And uh, with no no attempt to to answer them or stop them, just to meet them. This is. And it seems like you think all oh, this stuff is going to ruin my my meditation, but that's part of the, the the beauty and the surprise is that the more you gather in and collect the discomforts and the wounding and the splinters, the stronger and better your meditation gets. And this is really transformative. Because yeah. we're very good at cutting things out. We're great surgeons. We're great choppers. Or maybe, I don't know, but I, I can do this. I've seen some people who are pretty good at chopping things up. Got minds like mincers. So, you know, don't like you, chop, you're out. <laughs> don't want to be with you, chop, you're out. This kind of thing doesn't suit me. Slice that off, you know. Uh, yeah. If it makes you feel uncomfortable, that's out. I don't know, you know. So that that sense in which uh, aspects, you know, our irritability, things that make us irritable, chop. Things that make us feel a bit nervous, chop. Things that make us seem a bit foolish, chop. Uh, <laughs> you know, and of course that's kind of like uh, you know one of the things that people do spend a lot of time doing, isn't it? Building walls. Yeah. And then you know, but who wants to live behind barricades all their life? Who wants to live like that? You know. And it's rather like the more the more you do that. Actually, the weaker. It seems like you're getting pretty strong because you have power to cut things off, to push things away, to get rid of what you don't want, to keep things at bay, you know. But um, it's very brittle because uh, the great heart is not being fed. You're not using it. And it still means that all the things that irritate, disappoint, annoy, frustrate, embarrass me, seem solid and real. The them in the life. (coughs) The him, the them. The others. The thing I can't stand. Seems so solid and real. Mm. So I'm keeping it out. Mm. 
because it's real and solid I'm keeping it out and uh, the more we keep it out the more solid it gets <laughs> yeah. the more we demonize the bigger the demons grow When we try to carve out a little place in the sun, the stronger and colder the winds blow. So the great heart also requires this kind of wisdom or brings, gives rise to wisdom is that when we start to stay, embrace our difficulties, be with what makes us feel itchy and bored and uncomfortable, it starts to melt. You realise most of it is just one, one's own nervous habits, one's own limitation. Yeah. Again, it's just taking one's time because it's, this is not something you suddenly pop overnight, you suddenly come from being small to being vast. It's a gradual leaning and stretching at the edge where we feel squeezed and uncomfortable and awkward and fearful and embarrassed. Hmm? I mean, it's just something like that, you know? It's like learning to pick a spider up. We don't like spiders. When I was young, I knew a woman who was frightened of worms. And so she couldn't walk on the grass because a worm came up on the grass. You know? Or there'd be a worm on the path and she actually to get somebody to come along and move the worm. So actually a little thing like the size of a boot lace could dominate your life, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's sad, isn't it? It was real for her. Very real, you know, the fear and the panic was very real. She definitely, you know, wasn't putting it on. You know, spiders, these poor little creatures, you know, creepy crawly things that run all over me. You ever picked one up? You know, have you ever got to the place actually looking at something like that and realizing this thing is not invented to freak me out? It doesn't want to do that. It's not there to tell, it's not a terrorist. It's not going to grab me, you know, go from a jugular vein, you know. <laughs> Just to have some moment where you might kind of get, be up, stop demonizing these things and say that as a creature is probably frightened, you know, there's a huge human standing over it. Probably, you know, it's more frightened of me than, justified to be frightened of me than I am of it. Trying to get out of a sink or something, desperate for his life. And you're going, oh, no. <laughs> You know, you sort of put your finger down on a little cloth or something. Sometimes you just can't make it to put it in your hand, so you put a cloth down or a sponge and pick it up and take it outside. The next time maybe you can just pick it up. You know, get it doesn't hurt at all, you know. And uh, it's just things like that, you know, where it's a sort of small things. It's fee, you know, 
or it's that sense when you get you know difficulties between people when you get difficult with someone else just the willingness to maybe move closer in a gentle way rather than start to stiffen up and cut them off just the time just the ability the willingness to to let the energy slow down rather speed up and try and get over them you know just keep ratcheting up the just the just slowing it down seeing how often the, the difference between, differences we feel with people or are really a recognition of our own contraction our own tightening our own speeding up our own hasty creation of of defense and barriers is this really necessary is this really needed can we just wait and maybe breathe out in the presence of something that's difficult for us there and that's how you develop samadhi Mm -hmm. knowingly it's something you do all the time doesn't mean you're kind of concentrating but you're actually learning to shift from the reactive agitated speeding up to the steadying slowing firming centering here we are you know here we are so often in our lives here we are there's something that's a problem something that's demanding a solution something that's urgent you know Yes, but here we are. Yes, but here we are. Let's just get that established. And then can we widen, perhaps to include that which is problematic or difficult or urgent without buying into it, but just, ah, this is here too. How am I with that? How am I with the tyrant in my mind? How am I with the tyrant outside my mind? Hmm? So, you know, it's... it's uh, and so the, the wisdom that comes from that is recognising how we can kind of melt some of these seemingly hard obstacles in ourselves in the world around us and that's the that's the wisdom that comes from from the samadhi of the great heart When you get the, the point of it, and often we use something like breathing as a as a good reference point to 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 practice like this. Breathing is very good for for samadhi because you get a chance to your breath energy can move through the whole body, through the whole nervous system. I mean, I don't mean <coughs> you know through the flesh, but through the nerves because the Breathing, breathing energy is moderated 
by a very strong nerve reflex. It's the most strongest nerve reflex we have, is to breathe in and breathe out. You can't stop it. You try to stop breathing, you certainly get a very strong pressure to do so. So this is really the fundamental, you know, nervous um, reflex is to breathe, for a really good reason. So when you actually, when you start to develop breathing, then you're, you're, you're using that, bringing that calm, that quality of calm and steadying to bear upon the most fundamental nervous reflex you have. And then that transfers to the whole nervous system. So we often talk about breathing through the whole body. Yeah? And uh, what way we, so because you can, um, you find that certain parts of your body can be quite tight or defended or stale or stagnant energetically. It's like the, system, the nervous system is jangled or it's, it's, it's stagnant and stagnant nervous energy or, or hyper you know, over-activated, so you start to sense that. You get a place where you feel there's a core quality of, of steadiness, and you can feel, well, what's happening up in the top of my chest? What's happening in my neck? What's happening in my head? Temples, the eyes. And just by bringing th- those areas to mind, holding them in your mind, and f- focusing on the energy of breathing, then that energy is transferred to wherever you place your awareness. Wherever you place your awareness, the energy of the breathing will then move to that that area. So you get a chance to spring clean. Mm -hmm. Now it seems when we talk about something like concentration, it means holding things down to one point. And of course there is another word one-pointedness is often used with samadhi. It's an English translation of the phrase, of the word ekagata. And ekagata is like a, a point or a peak. Eka one, one-pointed, so it makes sense. But actually, the one-pointedness is very much uh, to do with a one-pointedness of intention. So you've only got one aim in mind which is to steady, to firm, to spread, to you know, generate or to develop this quality and to include everything in it. So everything in you then comes together to one point. You haven't got bits of you that are kind of frozen out or shut out or jangled up. Yeah? That's the encompassing, that's the embracing aspect of the great heart. You embrace What's psychologically, emotionally, and then also the whole of your body, till it all comes together. The differences start to melt down, and uh, so this one point is not an exclusive one point. It's a one point that comes from including everything and melting down the differences, or letting the differences melt down, till there is just this state of unity, yeah, a unity which is both. Uh, a unified emotional state is emotionally steady and uh, a unity which means your, your body just feels like, like instead of being all bits and pieces twinging and creaking it feels like one soft um, steady form 
That's the one-pointedness. So a lot of our practice then is, is just getting the, the seed or the root or the basis of a samadhi and then, you know, through, through breathing and then moving that through the whole of the body, the whole of the mind mm. until it steadies and calms. Yeah. And it's really just to recognize one, one can, this possibility is there. And uh, another factor of what samadhi is about is that it's arrived at through happiness. So the, the final aspects of samadhi, of the arrival of samadhi are called uplift, you feel lifted up, you feel buoyant, and you feel at ease, you feel happy. Mm-hmm. So unless these have come around, the process isn't completed. Uh, so this is very much, uh, you can see then that this is quite a different um, thing than concentration, the way we normally understand concentration. It's firm, it's embracing, it's holistic, it's happy. And when one arrives at this, then of course it means you've got a very uh, good place to be, a place to go. So you find you don't need so many other things. You also find you're less vulnerable to every other thing. You know, you know how it is. You know the the vast array of agitation and suffering and stress and perplexity and con- and confabulation and complexities that are around. You know, and you know how to stay steady in yourself within that so that it doesn't infect you and this is kind of one of the most um, necessary really essential and, and wonderful resources to be truly human mm-hmm. to be truly human To be truly human, the thing that human, that really, on a very simple level, humans uh, can develop to, to a vast degree is to others as to myself. The we sense, the sense of compassion, the sense of conscience, the sense of respect. Yeah? Other creatures have much less possibility to do that. A cat cannot respect a bird, cannot have a sense of compassion for a little bird, has to want to eat it, kill it, rip it apart. (laughs) Cannot help that, cannot do otherwise. It's a nice cat, good enough as cats go, that's what it does, that's his dharma. Limitations, you know, probably can barely, um, couldn't really coexist with another cat, let alone a bird, and gompo, 
Gompo got, uh, uh, there were two of them originally, Gompo and Mira. Mira had to get shifted out because Gompo was always beating her up. <laughs> so animal life is uh, not, not great on the compassion and uh, respect for other beings. A human life, um, you can do that. Unfortunately, um, we can also ignore it altogether. Mm. But to be truly human, this is really, you know, say on an on on ordinary living level, this is, this is what it's about. If we can't do that, then we're just going back to being cats, dogs, rats, cockroaches, and worse. <laughs> you know, scurrying around, holding our territory, sticking our you know, our horns or bristles or fangs out of each other. Yeah. But then, you know, as human beings, we also realize we, we're kind of affected and sensitive and f- nervous and jumpy and irritated and frightened and offended and oppressed and, and fed up and had enough and bored and sick and who's he think he is and she's always doing this to me and we're never going to have that kind of thing happening. Because of the, the, the effectiveness of our, our minds. So you've got this kind of incredible paradigm. The mind, if you don't train it, can just drive you absolutely potty. <laughs> you know? You can live, you know, kind of be free from physical punishment, uh, tyranny, disease, have enough food, and still feel absolutely miserable. Because of the mind, you know. I didn't say because of the mind. Obviously, people are this, that, this, that, and this, that. But you know, it can just get inside you, and your mind can just keep stuck in this kind of thing. So it's almost like, and in fact, if we don't cultivate our minds, that's what's going to happen. You know. You notice this own. People sometimes, you know, come to uh, come to this place, Chittaviveka, which first time round, is you know, wow, what a beautiful place this is. Really beautiful place. Uh, you know, it lasts. You stay at last about a week, and you think, don't like that. Why do they do that? You know, this is cold. That's this. This is you know. You start to see all the things that are going wrong, and the people, you know. Is this and so you know, that's that's how it goes. Your mind can do that. Yeah. So with uh, training your mind, just to decide what you pick up. That's another aspect of cultivating samadhi. It means you don't take bringing to mind. Lightly, you know, so bringing to mind and and evaluating are ways in which we cultivate samadhi. So if you bring the breath to mind, evaluate that. Bring your that particular energy to mind, evaluate that. That's going to get you to strength and deep. If you bring, you know, other things to mind, they're just going to agitate. You know, because 
You know, you can keep mulling around the things somebody did me ten years ago. So, you know, yeah, but <laughs> you know, so you you realize every time you bring something to mind, you know, you had a choice. We don't take that choice. We get ourselves compulsively just stuffed seems to be coming into mind that the the bringing to mind becomes a kind of a hapless reflex and with samadhi you've got that you develop a skill of deciding what you want to bring to mind realizing it's not a small matter what you bring to mind is karma there's karma in that it has effects you dwell upon things that cause you Anger, irritation, grief, distress, so on, greed and so forth. The more you dwell on that, the more your mind is going to create a track and keep running down that track again and again and again. You carve a track every time you go there. So eventually your mind just keeps rolling there, obsession, rolling there, obsession. And then you've really got to work hard to to get out of that groove. So well that training also is just what do you want to bring to mind? Do you do you have a choice? If you don't think you have a choice, if you feel helpless, you know, then you should really start to cultivate, you know. Because you, your mind is not your own. Your mind is not your own. Your mind is just getting kicked around like a football by samsara. And uh, there's no finishing whistle either. <laughs> it just goes on. <laughs> so what do you want to bring to mind? You know, What do you want to bear in mind and evaluate and feel out? You know? So you spend half an hour in a day deciding, making a choice. It's your time, it's your life. Yeah. What do you want to do with it? Deepen, not to avoid things, not to escape, but in order to develop the capacity to be able to embrace and unify the, the, all the, the things that are really relevant to you, the things that are causing you problems, how to make peace with them, how to bring them in. Hmm? breathe through them the anger, the fear the irritation, the sorrow is to breathe, breathe into them yeah. and let your emotions release through that this is, a, this is cultivation of course when we don't have time to meditate That's exactly why you need to meditate. Because <laughs> when you don't have time to meditate, it means you've bought into sangsara as being real and definite. You've made a commitment to it. <laughs> <laughs> you've just voted for it. You've just voted for an endless, <laughs> unendable, Things, things you've got to do, things you've got to make, 
places you've got to go, things you've got, you just bought into, you made a commitment to that, which has run you ragged, is running you ragged, will continue to run you ragged till you drop. And then you still have that nagging feeling you failed. <laughs> so, you know, what do you want to bring to mind? If you can't, if you haven't got time to meditate, it's time to meditate. <laughs> it means like, you know, just give yourself 10 minutes, give yourself 5 minutes to breathe out, all the way out, and wait. You won't.